Hello, Channel Automation Podcast listeners. Welcome back to another deep dive into the techniques that convert leads. I'm your host, Casey Arise, and today I am joined by Daniel Ramon of Clever Digital. Welcome, Daniel. I'm happy to have you here. How's it going today? It's going great today. Going great. Uh, the end to a busy week. It's all going great. How are you? Absolutely. And let me emphasize that this has been an extremely busy week for us and all of our clients. It's a uh, after a holiday, I won't specify which just for the timeline purposes, but, you know, anytime you have a day off, you have everything crammed into a less days and it's harder to get things done. So first, I want to start off, Daniel. Um, can I ask you, what kind of services does Clever Digital do? What do you do for clients? So we do uh, specifically paid advertising through Facebook or Google paid advertising. Uh, we don't do websites. We don't do SEO. We don't do blogs, organic content. Our entire team is focused on paid advertising through either Facebook advertising or Google. The industry we're working in is home improvement, uh, specifically for windows, doors, bathroom remodeling, siding, and kitchen cabinet refacing. Very cool. So we have a whole lot of clients that are interested in channel automation that are also in a home improvement. So I'm really glad to hear that that is sort of like one of your emphasis that you do. So um, to get started, what advice would you give a company or like home improvement company looking for like best practices when they're creating their first zip list for targeted demographic marketing? Because we've worked with a whole lot of people that they're like, this is every single zip list that we service. But I've heard that, that that's not exactly the right approach. So give me a little bit of insight on that. So I like to say this, if you have an unlimited budget, you can do whatever you want, but everybody has a limited budget. So what I would say is uh, you would focus on two things. Uh, if the company is newer and uh, doesn't have a lot of, uh, of their own data, I would focus on census data to understand which zips specifically, and then following that, which county specifically would be the best to target. The main reason behind that is you want to make sure that your advertising spend is not going to be diluted um, across many different zips that would be um, worst performers. I have a couple examples of our clients that we pull a zip data based off of past experience. We have a client that did about 70 million in the last 12 months, and we actually looked at their top zips. And a lot of that revenue came from the top 20 zips of, that they've serviced. So it's very important for companies that have a lot of you know, past data to look at their things like marketing zip analysis on lead perfection. Uh, there's a couple other ones. Salesforce has their own. To look at the zips that they've serviced, the top performers, and then look at it through different rates. So what we like to do is we pull a marketing zip analysis. We take a look at the total revenue. We weight each zip code by total revenue. Then we take averages. So we take average set rates, issue rates, demo rates, uh, gross close rates on demo, and then financial decline rates. And we'll actually compare the average across the company to those zips that are performing in the top. So we'll look to exclude zips based off of things like um, a very low close rate on demo and a very high cancellation or financial decline rate. And we look to include zips that are above average in terms of their net close rate on demo and below average in terms of the amount of financial declines that they would have in a specific zip. That's how we really would say um, the best practices for your targeting. That's fantastic. And you're speaking my language for sure, because anytime anybody has asked us questions, you know, obviously you've, you've got like the entire thing really, really, really uh, parsed out for us. But we, we always start with, OK, well, where are you earning the most money? And I know that that's sort of like the place to start. But yeah, having that those further breakdowns. That not only gives you your pop sips, but it also gives you like everything that's going to be falling within your budget. And you can get that list that really is going to get you the best bang for your buck. It's really fascinating when you are able to see that a company that services like five or six states 
did 30% of their revenue in, you know, a couple of counties. And it's very interesting to see that those same couple counties are very competitive on the ad platform. But understanding that those perform very well is something that your ad agency should be doing to understand that they can afford a higher cost per lead or cost per click in those counties, because we know that on the back end, they're going to convert. So that's something that's very important. A lot of times those high performing areas are very competitive and will uh, scare away competitors that don't have access to back end data. So understanding that having access to back end data are all things we do here at Clever. And I would recommend if your agency is not currently doing it, sort of get them on the same page and get them to start working with your data. Absolutely. And I know that it's super tempting for a lot of you guys out there that are listening to just go by feeling where you're just like, you've talked to your sales reps and you've talked to your call sender and they're like, oh man, these kind of leads always convert. No matter what, I always got good conversion on them. There's a difference between conversion and finally getting that end sale. So being able to take a look at the entire process, very, very important. Next question I've got for you, Daniel, what's more important when you're growing a business? A lot of leads coming in or just a few really well-qualified leads? So there's two ways I'll answer this. Um, if in the case that there's a business that is established and they're looking to take on a brand new product line, if they're looking to now, let's say they, they offer roofing and windows and they're looking to now offer baths, I would recommend in that case, uh, work with a low exposure lead generation system. Um, there's many of them out there where you can actually pay on a per lead basis to start up your team. And I'll explain that. When you're dealing with lead generation and you're dealing with um, coming up with a, a, a new way to start up a new product, I would say that your highest exposure and your highest risk is through your own paid advertising. If you haven't gone through the business enough where you've actually um, been able to understand how your sales team operates, been able to give your sales team leads uh, that are going to convert and seeing how they operate with the leads, you most of the time should be able to focus on a lead that has a low exposure when you're in that initial building stage. So I would rather um, send my sales team leads that are lower cost to me, um, that they can learn off of that are low exposure. As you build up uh, and as you look for new ways to, uh, to keep your sales team busy and to bring sales through the door, I would then move towards a high quality system. The reason why I said high quality should not necessarily be used at the beginning is because a high quality system requires a lot of exposure, requires a lot of risk, requires a lot of budget, it requires consistency. You can't turn off a high quality system and then turn it on back next month when your uh, operations get figured out. But what you're saying is for your 16 year old first time driver, you shouldn't buy them a Ferrari. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> your exposure with a Ferrari is much higher than it would be with a used $2,000 10 year old car. Um, because of the fact that when you go to a uh, paid advertising system like something that we offer, you need to commit to a very high budget over a very long period of time. And you need to understand that it's a long-term solution that's meant to build into your business a lead generation system that's exclusive to you. And something like that is, I, I don't believe a newer company should be focusing on creating something like that and maintaining something like that unless they've had their operations figured out. That's extremely well said. I, I completely agree with you. And it's one of those things where uh, when I start working with newer companies, because you know we, we work with all different kinds, um, and we're talking about people that go from one to two people operations all the way to like hundreds. These little guys, they're the ones that are asking me, they're like, well, what is the best leads that I can get? I don't mind paying like a bunch of money for them. And I'm like, I would really, really hate to give you those leads and then have them just fall through the cracks because your team isn't experienced enough yet. Is that kind of what you're getting at? 
That's exactly what I'm getting at. We've made we made a little bit of a rule where um, we do not ever want to be the largest lead provider of any client that we work with. Uh, we want to be up there, but we definitely don't want to be the only or the largest when we start off. Why I'm saying that? We had a client um, a couple of years back that it was our, our ad campaign was working really well. Uh, we're spending about twenty thousand a month, which is a very standard ad budget for our clients. And over time, they had a 10, 11% cost to marketing, and it was fantastic. Two, three months into it, uh, they started to drop in terms of set rates. Their set rates were typically anywhere between 30 to 35. We had 10%, 15%, and it was really hurting the, the entire campaign. A uh, client called us and said that they lost a couple of people in their call center. They uh, had some technology issues, and it caused them to really drop the ball in a lot of stuff. And they needed to drop our ad budget in half. I told them that anything that you do once an ad campaign is active, um, remember that anything that's running right now, keywords, uh, campaigns, ad sets, creatives, whatever it is, it's all because it's working. If you're removing budget, we need to turn things off, obviously. By turning things off, um, he was obviously able to figure out his call center issues, but at the same time, we weren't able to rebuild that campaign. All the lost data and all the lost optimization, we had to restart everything. It was never able to be recovered. And now we still work with that client to this day because we were able to build it back up, but it was never able to get to back to the point that it was. And that's a problem on my end. Uh, I would say that any company that's looking to get started and really build into their lead generation system, really build up their sales team, their call center team, focus on low exposure leads before you get into the expensive, high exposure, high risk lead gen programs. Well said. Yeah, I, I would agree as well. And I understand where you're coming from in terms of like, anybody who's in marketing and doing marketing campaigns on behalf of other companies will tell you that it's one of those things where I know that decreasing budget is necessary at times, but you are bringing yourself that risk where you're like, I might not get back to where I am right now. Having marketing being the target first for reducing um, budget in general, because a lot of these and all of this is kind of coming from like the higher up executives are saying, we need to reduce budget here, here and here. And marketing is usually one of the first ones that are on the list, right? To me, it doesn't make sense. And maybe this is a biased opinion. Uh, but I feel like you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot when you're no longer putting yourself out there. But what you were saying, Daniel, that you're doing it for the sake of getting your internal operations functioning more effectively, I can kind of understand that strategy a little bit. That makes sense. Yeah, I can understand it as well. But if I were owning a home for a business and I was in that position, I would turn off anything that can be recoverable before I turn off something that can't be recoverable. So I would turn off aggregators at that point. I would turn off my uh, mailers, my TV, my radio, anything that I could start back up and not really lose too much um, good equity with it. And then I would keep my ad campaign as the last possible alternative. I've always thought of this. Um, the last person of a company to be fired should always be the salesperson. Second last should always be marketing. Um, other than that, you don't really have a company without marketing or salespeople. So that's the point. Yeah. How the heck are people going to hear about you? <laughs> I mean, obviously there's referrals, right? There's there's some companies that I know that do great with referrals, but yeah, totally agree. Um, one of the things I also wanted to ask you, because we are partnered with Cle Clever Digital as channel automation, um, you know, all of us kind of see eye to eye and it just made sense for us to be a partner. What do you see in partnership with channel automation that you don't really see with other partners where it could be something like that's a beneficial experience for both of our clients? I love that you asked that question because I have a great example right now. Uh, we have two clients that we referred to channel automation in the last three months. Um, like Casey, you know you know which clients. And those two clients were struggling with us with SevRate for a pretty long time. 
Um, they were at 20s, 22% some months. Uh, some months had dropped, and one of them was actually having a really big issue. Uh, we referred them to channel automation, and we sort of referred them to channel automation as uh, as as our last our last try for this client to really help them out because we've tried everything we could. Um, finally, we met channel automation. We referred them, and um, I had a quick talk with Vic and yourself, and we went over what kind of optimizations you guys were working on, and we've seen our set rates like increase. Um, for one of those clients that was in the 20s, uh, we have our set rates currently at 35%. And I actually got a message from our media buyer saying, hey, what happened with this client? Can you ask them what happened in their call center? And I said, no, no, they hired a new vendor and it's really cool and I'll explain it to you one day. That's what we've noticed. I've seen our set rates increase with our clients. I've seen our demo rates increase with our clients. I'm very happy. All of our clients have had great things to say about the relationship and the product and the offering and they're all really excited. Um, so I would say that any client that Channel Automation has referred to us, um, they are top notch. They've they have amazing call center systems, amazing speed to lead systems, omni channel messaging approaches, and any clients that we've referred to them, we've seen gradual increases in their statistics. That was so sweet. Thank you. Like you really, I almost felt like I was blushing there. You know, I know I'm not. I am not channel automation as a physical form, but we do take a lot of pride in giving people very good service. And those guys that you recommended to us. Boy, as soon as we like a lot of people when they get a client and they're thinking like, oh, man, these these guys are a mess. Like they're sort of like cringing every time they have to talk to these guys with us for like, oh, man, we can help them. I cannot wait to get in there and fix their stuff. They're going to be so happy. <laughs> and a lot of that does come with what Clever, Clever Digital does, which is all of those marketing analytics, campaign management. And one of the things that we see more often than not is these guys just don't have the manpower to focus as much as they need to on their marketing. And so that's where companies like us come in handy because we can kind of bridge that gap a little bit. Have you noticed that same kind of thing on your end as well? Like I, I wanted to say that our, our client success team at Clever, they're, um, they're trained on consulting as well as marketing. And on consulting, they're trained on the operations of these companies. So we have like a, an internal flow chart that we work off of where if your issue rate is below this, these are the couple of things that we're going to help you with as a business. Um, and yes, a lot of our clients are short-staffed. They don't have the proper manpower in place. And a lot of times I'm we're speaking with the owner of these companies. So when we look at things like set rates, issue rates, demo rates are falling off and we have some problems there, one of our main things to do and our main fixes behind that is to refer partners and channel automation is definitely at the top of that list for those reasons. Um, so when we make a recommendation, we're looking to really see that, yes, we've understood the business, we understood what their bottlenecks are, and we could see a definite solution. So yeah, we definitely see that happening with a lot of our clients. Yeah, so question for you, Daniel. Uh, when you are working with clients, something that you mentioned kind of caught my ear. You said that you are speaking a lot with the owners and the CEOs, and they're kind of giving you the lowdown of how things work in the call center and how their sales are currently set up. Um, what is your opinion in terms of having marketing agencies working directly with call centers and salespeople? Because a lot of people, like a lot of owners, are very hesitant to bring in agencies to work with them. We work with, uh, in uh, across our 45 clients, we have different communication channels through each of them. Uh, but in any case, we always have access to the owner. And through our, in, through our first 90-day process, it's actually required for a, a VP of sales, for the call center manager, for somebody in operations in some cases to get on one of our biweekly check-ins. And the reason is we like to understand what happens in every facet of the business. So we like to understand that in the future, if there is a problem with our set rate, 
this is what they're doing in the call center. This is who we can communicate with. Um, if there's a problem with our closing rate, we'll talk to the VP of sales and talk to them about how our leads uh, see different ads before they submit their information, uh, what kind of retention efforts we're doing, what the offer looks like, and what the, uh, what the entire campaign looks like to give them an understanding. We'll then show a lot of those salespeople what our other clients are doing in terms of closing rate on demo. Uh, and all of that really helps them understand how to get better. Personally, don't think that there should be a problem with an agency speaking with a marketing person, salesperson, call center person, um, because each person has an individual contribution to the success of it. Um, as long as the owner is involved in some level, uh, we're completely fine with any type of relationship like that. Very cool. Yeah. And I do think that having multiple people speaking on behalf of the business helps get that full picture. And that's one of the things I do try to communicate with uh, with owners. And by the way, if you are an owner that you know have, has worked with people and you're like, it's just me and I'm talking to the agency, I am not bagging on you because I absolutely understand the reason for that decision. Because there is also the uh, the risk that you're going to have a a sales VP or a marketing person or a call center person be like, I don't know why you're involving me with all these agency calls. I got so much to do and now I'm losing work and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, in the end, if we are able to talk to them directly, we're going to be that direct source of help to them. And so we actually would love to hear the complaints. So uh, complaining is what we uh, is the first step that we could take in order to help fix the problem. Right. The last thing that I wanted to kind of go over today is just any kind of closing opinions in terms of things that you've seen over and over and over again in businesses where you're like, if you could just fix this one thing, this is going to be your starting point to success. What would you say to our audience? So I would say that if you are at that $20 million a year mark, you probably spend $1.5 to $2 million a month in advertising. And a lot of your advertising is diluted. Now, one very important thing to consider is when you're working with a bunch of different advertising uh, methods, such as aggregators, such as Facebook marketing agencies, Google marketing agencies, you're running the risk if you are not, if, if you have not built your own internal branded ad campaign, if you've not built your own internal um, lead generation machine. And what I would say is find an agency that's able to offer you an exclusivity in your market, in your vertical. The number one thing I see a lot of our clients um, doing that I think is wrong is working with an agency that works with multiple clients in that same market. I actually had one of our clients show me that his ad and his direct competitor's ad look the exact same. Uh, and I think that's a problem because when you're working with an agency, you want that agency to use your data to make decisions on your ad campaign to make you more efficient. If we're working with five companies in the same market offering bathroom remodels, it's very difficult for us to not compete with ourselves in a lot of cases and not share data. That's why we offer exclusivities. So I would say the number one thing would be to uh, limit the amount of, of agencies and lead aggregators that you work with, focus on a couple, and work with as many vendors as possible that work under an exclusivity. Another one quick thing I want to say uh, that actually one of our clients was on a podcast and he said this and I loved it uh, was make sure you're testing a lot of lead sources. Pretty much understand that lead sources, they, they can work. Uh, they can work really well. They could be a moving needle for your business. And if you have a lead source that's reached out to you that you think may be a fit, give them a shot. Give them a trial. See what they can do. Talk to one of their existing clients. Get some opinion on them because 
if they're reaching out to you, it means that they probably could help you in a lot of cases. Um, I know when we started, we were reaching out to companies like that. Now we get a lot of referrals, but we could have helped a lot of businesses at the beginning and, and we have. So that's great. And then if I were to like bet money on what you were going to say, it wasn't going to be that. So I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> okay. So that's going to be it for us today. I wanted to say big, big, big thanks to Daniel for joining us from Clever Digital. We're going to have all the information about Clever Digital listed in the description below and or in the post, depending on where you're listening to this. And so hit them up if you want to get more of a conversation on what they do in their business. Whether you love or you hate what we talked about today, we do want to hear from you. So comment or shoot us an email at hello at channelautomation.com. Also, please consider subscribing to this podcast. I mean, it's free information for how to convert on your leads better. We have a lot of experts on here and we would love to hear from you and have your support. As always, keep your lead conversion high.